Hello, everyone, and welcome back to BU Live. I'm so excited to start the show today. It's been a couple weeks, uh, and so I want to continue my Who Are You series because tonight is truly, truly special. We're talking about who are you. We're going to take a deep dive into the topic of purpose. And as always, of course, BU Live's mission is to provide relevant, thought-provoking, insightful information about life and ways to unlock ourselves to fully embrace being you. So today I have a very, very special guest panelist. It is none other than Keandra Jackson Nash. She is the true definition of a humanitarian. She's a mom, daughter, sister, friend, entrepreneur, but most of all, she is truly authentically herself. So just to put out a couple of housekeeping things, just want to remind you guys that BU Live is now, of course, located on Spotify and other podcast platforms. You can simply search for BU Live. And of course, we are live every Sunday at 6 p.m. via Facebook on BU by Mika J. So now that the housekeeping things are over and done with, Keandra, thank you so much for joining me today. One thing I want to say that Keandra has been a very, very good friend since I've relocated to Houston. Um, I've been here now for about four years and she has truly been a part of me and my family's life. And Keandra, when I say, when I said in her introduction that she's the true definition of humanitarian, that's exactly what I mean. So she has worked in the nonprofit sector now for about what, 20 plus years. Um, Yes. Like uh, 15, 15, 15 plus years she has worked with at-risk youth she's worked with sex trafficking victims and she is truly a superwoman she started not one but three businesses since COVID-19 hit so those businesses consist of set sis free which is an awesome group that I have a very privilege of being a part of. It's a group of amazing women that are all entrepreneurs and we meet weekly, sometimes bi-weekly to do things and help each other support our business ventures. And little secret, all of the ladies that are part of Sess is Free has been on my podcast at one point or the other. So I was like, how's our fearless leader haven't been on here? Gotta get you on there. So what other perfect conversation to talk about purpose to have her on? And so also she has uh, her other business, which is called Saving Sis, who is her nonprofit organization, which is dedicated to her grandmother. And then she does Jay Nash Consulting, which she is a consultant for nonprofit organizations. So if you're out there, you need some help, holla at my girl. So <laughs> want to jump in there right quick and ask uh, Keandra talking about purpose. So our purpose, of course, is always connected to a problem. And our purpose is connected to being the answer to that problem. So what problem in your life led you to your purpose? For me, just having, just not having the typical family dynamic. I mean, and what I mean about that, like I definitely had a loving mother, had a loving father, but then in that process, I went through trials and tribulations, things that I think didn't think that would happen, happened, um, things that I wasn't able to explain at the time happened, and then growing up with those things, carrying those things with me as I'm going from you know, young age to an adult to college, and then all of that resurfacing all at one time. So really understanding like the pain, the suffering, the tribulations, the trials and tribulations, but then having to address that. And sometimes it's, you're having to address that when you don't want to address it. So those situations is what helped me discover my purpose and really dug, really had me dive deep into what am I doing on, what am I doing on this earth? What am I doing to serve? Um, Am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? All my life, I thought I was supposed to be a teacher. Um, and that sure is definitely not what I'm doing. Um, I thought I was supposed to work with special, special needs children. In high school, I was in a program. I would do special need things and go to different programs and things like that, work in daycare settings, um, just because I thought I was supposed to work with little kids and help mold them and things in that nature. And that wasn't, that wasn't my purpose. Um, and what made me dive deep into that is just kind of like dealing with dealing with stuff that I didn't want to have to deal with. And that's how I kind of discovered my purpose and things in that sense. 
Okay. And so how did you know that the nonprofit sector was the right direction for you? Because it's, it's not one of those things that you get into to get rich. Definitely not one of those things. It is not. It is also not one of those things that I can say, because I volunteer at a lot of different places throughout my life. Um, have worked with different people that's been leaders in the nonprofit organization. You can definitely tell those that this is truly their heart and who they are versus someone that may be in that position because that's where they wound up. So how did you know that the nonprofit sector was your direction and your path? I wanna say it was right after graduation, graduating high school. Graduating high school and I was did junior college at Millen College in my hometown. I'm from Millen, Odessa, a very small town. Um, so doing there, we had, I think Hurricane Katrina hit. And it was like I was like a like an urge, like you have to do something, you want to do something, but how do you do it? And so at the time I was a part of a program um, called Students in Philanthropy. And I was like, okay, we have to figure something out. We have to do something. And so it was kind of taking leadership of that small task. And then eventually getting my church involved and things in that and started seeing, okay, this is something that I enjoy. Like, it's not another task. This is something that I really like. It's something I really enjoy. So that was kind of that, like that push. And when I honestly got into college and moved to Houston, I'm like, there's so much homeless around. There's so many people that's in need and no one's helping. And so as going through college and started volunteering in different programs and kind of working with different types of population, I landed at Covenant House Texas. And that was one of my jobs that really opened my eyes to nonprofit um, and, and actually opened my eyes to the population that I serve um, and that I'm gonna continue to serve until I'm off this earth. But it just really opened my eyes to that we have young adults who don't know and they didn't have the typical life that I was given. They didn't have someone that they can go to and talk to or gave them a voice to say, hey, you have a chance, you have a choice. Um, the life that was given to you is not something that, that, that you deserve, or that's not something that just because somebody said you're going to do this, or you're nothing going to be like nothing but your mama, or whatever the case may be, that's not you. You can design your own purpose and your own goal. So in that point, that's when I started to realize, like, these kids really are gravitating towards me, and we're working together, and I'm giving them some type of hope and inspiration that they hadn't had. Um, and then we started working together and I started building relationships. Still to this day, I have kids that I work with when I very started in nonprofit, when I was wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, ready to change the world, and I hadn't had no bruises or bumps yet. Um, I still communicate with those kids and they still to this day tell me like, you know, you did everything that you could do to save me. And I make the choices that I made and some, you know, went and did very well. And then some still are on that, you know, the struggle and things in that sense. But that's the beauty of working with this population. Each, each stressful moment at that time that we may think is stressful, you offering that advice or even just listening to them can save their life. So that's kind of where I realized like, this is my purpose. Like all this other stuff that I'm trying to do and play with, play in daycare and do preschool and teaching, like that wasn't for me. Um, and I soon realized that working in that, in working in that environment and having more in-depth conversation with the kids that I was serving. So knowing that there's a, a deep connection to our purpose and interpersonal things, what was maybe as you learned that working in the nonprofit sector, particularly serving teens, I know is a deep passion of yours. Was there a point in your teenage life that you had a moment where you needed someone like you, who you are today? Um, it's a few moments, a very, a very few moments. Um, the dad who raised me, who is, I have, I'm, I can say that I'm blessed to have two dads. Most people can be like, oh, I had a stepdad, I had a dad, I had a bio. I'm blessed to have two dads, two fathers um, in different parts of my life. Um, when I was a teenager, I lost one of my fathers. And so that was devastating, trying to understand all of that um, because I was a daddy girl. We was always together, just kind of different things, trying to understand that component. Then on top of that, just dealing with my own emotional, like the insecurities, um, just the way, like the appearance, just a lot of things dealing with all of that, all the emotions, all of the 
trying to understand like how do different things happen to you and you don't have the answers to or you don't even know why this happened um just understanding those things to kind of help me realize like that's the person that I needed that's the person that I needed someone to say hey it's okay like you don't always have to hold everything in you can talk you can breathe and that's one thing that I can always say for me I'm learning it's still a learning process for me everybody know me I'm not a crier definitely not a crier I'm not the Philly emotional type person um and my friends make fun of me for that so just understanding the emotional part of it, like it's okay. You don't always have to have this this tough skin or every, it's okay to allow people to see you at your vulnerable time. Um, so that was one of the things, what else? Um, just even finding out my biological father and understanding like I am who I am because of him. Cause we are identical. We are the same person, <laughs> the same person. And so, a lot of questions that I didn't have the answers to growing up. And as I'm meeting my biological father in my, in my college days, I'm like, okay, well, this explains who I am. This explains why I am because he's a server. Um, he will give you the shirt off his back. You know what I mean? So just understanding the different things like that and having someone to kind of navigate through those journeys. Cause I've had so many different journeys that most people will be like, well, I don't believe that happened to you or, you smile or you help someone and they'd be like, they never knew my story or never asked questions about my story. Um, so just different things in that sense. So of course you, you brought up um, the part of your story and I know that it's, it's a story that you have to be ready to tell. So, and I know that we've kind of talked and I know there's parts of it that you want to be able to tell because of how much it'll help others. So what are some of those things that you would like to share? Because I know there's a, a lot of, sometimes people get stuck on thinking that they're alone. No one's there to support me. No one's there to help. And so you can live a life where you're not fulfilling your purpose because you feel isolated. True. So what is maybe just one part of your story that you can tell to our audience that could help them maybe see that if, if she can start three businesses during the pandemic, you heard it, one, two, that, that's three, three. And she went through that. I know that I can begin to take some steps into my purpose as well. Um, ooh, you hit me with the, the, the story piece. Um, so I am, most people who know me, I only share bits and pieces of my life. I'm very private to a certain extent. But what I can say um, about my story without going into detail is that people who take advantage of other people and think it's okay, whether it's family members, whether it's a friend, and you don't have to hold that in. If you know that it wasn't okay, whether you was a kid, an adult, whatever the case may be, you don't have to hold it in. You don't have to try to fix that issue or put suppress that emotion and find another destructive, destructive uh, habit to cover that up. Um, so understanding that then also understanding that people's action is not, does not describe who you are. Don't blame yourself. Don't make people feel like it's okay. Or don't even allow people when people do find out. Don't let them make you feel like you probably deserve that. Or the famous one is that most African-American families do is sweep things under the rug or try to make it paint like you were, you know, a prostitute, you were just doing everything that you can, you was, you know, the, the fast girl or whatever the case may be, but just make sure that you, you're holding strong to you and don't allow people to beat you up on that end. That's one thing that I can say for a very long time, I allowed people to make me feel that I wasn't worth anything because of what had happened. Um, and it put me in a, in a mindset of, I was easily swayed on what to believe about myself or what I can accept for myself. And so with having that understanding of where I'm at now, people can't tell me nothing, can't tell me shit of what I'm doing and how I'm doing. Um, and they can feel how they wanna feel. 
I feel at this point that people can't, people, people are in charge of their own emotions and I'm not going to allow someone to make me feel any type of way or feel like I have to be quiet or save them um, because of it might hurt them or might bring shame or whatever the case may be. I'm over it. Like, catch me, if you had caught me years ago, I probably would have been like, no, I don't want to do that. Like, even doing these lives and having these conversations is uncomfortable for me because it's at a point now where I'm kind of getting placed to where people are wanting to know my story. They wanted to know, like, why do you do this? Why do they do the things you do type situation? So, yeah. It's, I definitely, I can relate because, you know, in the African-American community, we have that concept of what happens in this house stays in this house. Absolutely. And as we are growing and evolving, I think that as a people, we're understanding how detrimental that one statement is. Yes. Because essentially hurt people hurt people. Absolutely. And the hurt that continues to go on from generation to generation is what allows purpose to continue to be buried in the grave and to never be manifested. Right. Um, so just to move on to the next question right quick is, what has been the most challenging moments that you faced working in the nonprofit world? Because I know it's been various spectrums of um you know working in this space um it's been a lot it's definitely been a lot uh speaking with working with the type of population I work with is understanding that sometimes you may be looking at yourself mm -hmm. you may be having a conversation with yourself so the same advice that you're giving that child or yourself, you're having to look at yourself and say, now I need to get that advice to me. Um, definitely learned that a very early on stage before I actually started my healing process. Because one of the things that I want people to understand when people say, oh, I want to have a nonprofit. I want to feel good. I want to serve the community. I want to do this. I want to do that. But they got to also understand when you're serving people and working with people, you most you have to be healed yourself. You cannot be out trying to heal people and you're broken because what you're going to do is set them up for self-destruction just like you're setting yourself up. Mm. Because things that you're opening up in front of them, that they're opening up and you're having to have that mirror effect, you're eventually going to start feeling that, that, that self-destruction back for yourself. So understanding that piece. So that was number one. Number two was just understanding that everybody is not built for nonprofit. Everybody is mm. not built for helping people. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying built as far as like education, because you can definitely, now they have degrees for everything. You definitely can get a degree um, on how to do nonprofits, how to do grant writing and things like that, and how to serve. But you definitely can't teach someone to have a passion. You can't teach someone to have compassion and be genuine about helping the next person. Mm -hmm. um, so understanding that piece and understanding that sometimes some missions aren't for you. And that's something that I had to learn very early on in my nonprofit days. Like I've worked for all types of nonprofits. I've worked for grassroots nonprofit grassroots nonprofits. I work for nonprofits that's work like for corporations. But I also had to understand where do I fit in that process? Am I with the grassroots? Am I with um, working with someone that is built like a corporation to where it's actually ran like it's really like the kids is a number and we're crunching numbers. Or is it working on development side where you're trying to do the admin side or is it working with direct care services? So I had to learn that in the process of nonprofit and understand where do I fit? What is my identity when it comes to nonprofit? What does it look like for me? Um, because I knew I had the passion, I knew I had the purpose and I love working with the population, but what does that look like for me? Am I the one that's actually working hands-on? Am I the one just sitting there pushing numbers and creating events and things like that. So I've worked in all aspects of nonprofits. So I really had to figure out what's my, where, 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 where do I fit? Mm. What is my, where do I stand out in nonprofit type situation? You, you touched something heavy when you said that with working with the people that you serve at times, it's like looking at yourself in the mirror and having to do the work on yourself first. 
um i would definitely say with being life coach that is like the like statement of the century for anyone that goes into this field of work like you have to have to do the work on yourself because otherwise you'll look at others as always having a problem but not see where your problem and what it takes to fix it yeah so you talked about looking into your some of the people that you've served and seeing that reflection of yourself and doing the work what did doing the work on yourself look like for you because there's someone out there i know that's listening that's feeling like man i want to make a change but i don't know what to do so what does what did doing the work on yourself look like for you it was hard it definitely was hard because you had to address things that you you suppressed for so long um, you had to address topics that you didn't want to have talk. You don't want to have. You don't want to talk about. Um, and I'm still going through that. Like things as I'm going through. Like I said, there's three businesses at this one time. Um, I'm learning the different aspects of me. I'm learning the different me's um, when it comes to the world of um, doing the work. Understanding that I have to be okay with what I can do and not be not stress myself out of what I can't do. Um, but then most importantly, understanding that I'm gonna hit my, I'm gonna I'm a fall a couple of times and it's gonna hurt and be allowing myself to feel those emotions. Um, I feel like sometimes people get in the mindset of, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. Um, and they lose themselves in doing that task or doing this and not really allowing yourself to feel the emotions, whether that you got a promotion, whether that's like, you know, you just signed a new, you know, you got your papers for your LLC, whatever the case may be, you're not able to enjoy that because you're not allowing yourself to feel those emotions, those times when they, they push back and said your tax exempt, you know what I mean? Like you didn't get approved for your tax exempt or those times where, you know, things are not going as falling into place and understanding that, you know, it's just on my time. And that's something that I had to do. I've always known that I wanted to have a nonprofit. I always known that. I've known that since 2009, that I wanted a nonprofit. I started my journey. I had wrote it out, had a book, um, had all my things in order in 2009. And in 2006, 17, 16, um, I had a meeting with you and, to, and another young lady that I worked with. And they were, you know, pushing me, you know, like, hey, like you have this, do this, whatever the case may be. And that was in 2017 and I didn't act on it. I didn't act on it until 2020. So just understanding the processes of me and when I'm ready to. So it's a lot of work, like hitting my head, like wanting to stop and not wanting to continue or even feel like I was defeated because I always came up with an excuse. Like I don't have the money. I don't have the money to spare. I don't, I can't do this or how am I going to do this and do all of this and still be a mom? I'm a single mom. So being able to still provide 110% to my son on trying to do like trying to do this nonprofit and just a lot of questions. And you started to doubt yourself at the spirit of Thomas, doubting myself, trying to go through the work of like when I start working or get like this bug of like, I'm trying to do all of this and then something happens and then it's done. So understanding and just learning through it. So it was a lot of going back and forth. So just trying to get through everything was the biggest piece for me. I think one of the things that you said, because you said going back to 2016. So it was it was four years coming for look, you went from in those four years, <laughs> the part that people may miss, you went from birthing one child to going to having triplets. Cause you, cause you, cause you carried for so long is really something to consider. Yeah. And I think one of the things that sometimes that we miss is that purpose is going to be purpose. It's up to us to decide when we're ready to push and to live in it. Deliver it. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> for sure. And then also one of the big things that that entrepreneurship let me tell you is not for the faint at heart you have to do the work on yourself to get to the place where you can 
because it's a certain mindset you got to be in because it's going to be hard days. It's going to be days where you just be like, man, I don't feel like doing this today. I want to sit down. I'm tired. I got a lot going on. Where's the next month? You know, money's going to come from. I don't feel like being creative today. And I'm not saying this to scare anyone. I'm saying it to encourage, to encourage everyone because it's the, you have to keep working on this mental all the time. So I know one of the things with uh, Saving Sis, it is a group of ladies. There's six of us? Seven. Seven. Seven of us. Yes, seven of us. And that group was birthed. Look, that birth was conceived on Keandra's actual birthday. And it's a group of women. All of us are entrepreneurs. Um, start A lot of us are startups. I've been an entrepreneur now for some years. And um, Keandra had this awesome idea about us doing, you know, we was quarantined, right? <laughs> and we was, you know, we all still had a birthday turn up for you know, her birthday via virtual. <laughs> and from there, all of us talked about all of our we talked about our ideas and our businesses and our journeys and that led to set this free and wanting us to be free financially spiritually emotionally and being able to be free in um in our businesses so Kendra, can you kind of tell everybody kind of like what the base of like sets is free and how that even came to be? Because I think that ties into you, look, you carrying these triplets and all of a sudden, bam, they happen. <laughs> so sets is free. So starting from beginning, so I had Saving Sis. Saving Sis has always been my baby since 2009. Um, I birthed her on March 2020. Um, she is definitely true, definitely dear to my heart. Um, it's one named after my grandmother who everybody calls this Kelly. She was a loving, adoring woman who always, she catered to everybody. Um, she always wanted to see someone succeed. And the unique about our story is that she wasn't my biological grandmother, but I was her, I was our grandchild. She treated us no different. Um, her kids treated us no different. She, those are my aunts, my uncles. And they're going to ride for me regardless of whatever. And so um, when she passed, she was pretty much the backbone of our entire family. And one of the things that I wanted to continue to do and one of the things that she instilled in us was to continue to care, continue to guide people, um, and don't judge. So those are one of the things that what I discovered out of Savings Sis. So I, although I birthed it in 2000, I started in 2009, but March, I really was, I had the full understanding. It really was developed. Like I had an actual baby that it didn't have just the pieces and the, you know, the different kind of things. I actually had a baby and was ready to kind of live through that purpose. So I decided to birth it on my actual birthday because it was 10 years. Um, I turned 33. So it was the 10 year anniversary for just kind of life changes things that happened to me. Um, so I birthed it on my birthday. In that process, I said, hey, y'all, since we quarantine, can't do anything. Let's throw like a sip and check. And it was the first time, well, the second time that I had got all of my friends together because the first time I did it for the birthday but prior to, but everyone couldn't come. So we had another birthday and I was like, well, we all can come because we're virtual and we don't have nothing else to do. So let's sip and chat and talk. So as we were talking, we're not normal people that have conversations. We are people who um, talk about goals, <laughs> talk about goals, um, things that we need to do and improve. So the sip and chat birthday turn up end up turning into like a full legitimate like push circle empowerment session for all of the lovely ladies that I consider near and dear to my dear to myself um so we had this conversation and so after the conversation it was more of everybody started pouring into me not just mentally spiritually but then also financially after the call so I was like okay so it, that's another push to kind of continue to push my push my baby up so in that process, we got to start, start talking a little bit more. We're like, hey, we're going to meet in two weeks. And then that two weeks turn into, we'll just have a think tank and we'll kind of just help everybody out. Then that think tank turned into a legitimate like empowerment circle. Like, hey, 
what do you need help with? Can we help you with this? Can we do you like everybody had something? And so the uniqueness of our group is that everyone is different in their own way. Um, everyone is very outspoken. Like for instance, Mika is the one that's always like in your face, live, everybody, me, I'm the opposite. I am in the back. I like to chill. I will have all the think tanks in the world with you. I will guide you, drop many gems on you, but I don't want to be in the camera. I don't want to do none of that. And then we have other members who are the same, always wanting to give. Um, and then just have different backgrounds and different stories. Each story is different and unique. Now, one of the true things about us is that people started to gravitate towards us because we now have a new member that no one's ever met in person. I know, right? I cannot wait to meet her. No one's ever met in person, but she's a she's a gem too. She adds so much knowledge to the group. Um, and so we met her. Actually, I met her on Instagram because of her product. I am an Instagram. Any Black-owned business that want to send me stuff or even want me to kind of check out their products, I'm, I will try something out and give you my honest feedback. So that's how I met her. And then we started talking and communicating a little bit more. And she ended up joining the group. So the group is just pretty much about empowerment, um, helping one another. But then most importantly, whether it's towards your goals, but just being a woman. Yeah. Uh, when one of us is down, we were there to pick them up. If one of us is going through, excuse me, if one of us is going through whatever, we've had someone's son, you know, had a life threat like you know a surgery we all rallied together and made sure that he was comfortable so it's not just we're taking care of the moms we're just we're taking care of the holistically the family that's how I operate I don't feel like if the moms are not together the whole family's not together um so we really try to be there and support one another um the best thing about the group is that everyone want to see my biggest thing I want to see every woman win I want to see every woman win it's not a competition we don't want um, we definitely, and when I say it's not a competition, it's times where I'll be like, hey guys, like let's spend some time on Mika's business for the week. Let's do what we can do to help her type situation. So it's very selfless. It's definitely empowering women to just kind of be yourself and find out who your purpose is and find your true identity, regardless of what people have labeled you with, regardless of what people have placed upon you. Be you, be who you are, discover who you are and own it. Um, and never let people feel like you can't own a whoever you are and don't let your trials and tribulations dictate how people talk to you or how they are, how they, how they perceive you. Um, cause you can write your own story. So that's pretty much the group in itself. Um, yeah, that's the group. <laughs> I would, I would definitely say that being a part of census free has been, very rewarding um it, I'm like so rewarding you know Keandra mentioned about me you know being in camera all this when I tell you that I was so shy growing up I was like I remember delivering this speech one time in English class and like literally like my paper was in my hand like this like I was shaking like crazy and so doing like this, something like this was never on the spectrum. Matter of fact, before quarantine, this wasn't on my spectrum. Going live and stuff, mm, nah. But then it's like you have this calling, you have this, this purpose. And what sometimes what we don't understand is that when we're not in position, we're hindering someone else from taking the steps that they need to take. And the, the ladies that are in the group, when I tell you are like so diverse and just so like, there is so much swag in this group and just so much knowledge. And to see women of color come together and encourage each other and build each other and push each other is truly refreshing. And I think that that what like you said what was a birthday birthed something it it birthed something so much bigger than we could have even began to think that this would turn into um but the next thing i want to jump into and ask uh one first i'll go to this one first what makes you feel inspired or like your best self um ooh. 
just seeing people around me win. I think that's one of the things that I tell everyone. I don't care. Like, even with this group, Lord knows, anybody that even... Like, you know, a few people in the group know, but then also I was very vulnerable with the group and let them know and said to them, like, I don't know. Like, I'm not trying to like serve the masses. I'm not trying to do any of that. If as long as you guys win, I'm okay. I don't need no clap on the back. I don't need like a slap on the back. I don't need any of that. Just to see people that I genuinely love and care about to win, but then most importantly to just teach my baby something different. Um, for me, one of the things is that breaking that generational curse, um, teaching my son that it, you don't always have to work for someone. Anybody that knows me growing up, I always had one or two jobs. I always had two jobs and I was going to school. Regardless and if since about it, I didn't have a kid. I didn't have my first kid until I was like, er, like my late 20s. But I still had that mentality, like I had to get it, I had to work. So in that process, I don't want my son to grow up like that. I want him to understand that he can build his own legacy and don't have to clock in and push in for nobody. And if he decides to whatever his purpose is or whatever he thinks that he wants to do and serve, I want to I want to cultivate that. And I want him to see his mom do that. I don't never want to be that single mom who is like, I have to work for this, I have to do this, and I can't do this because I'm a single mom, I can't do it all. I don't want that ever to be a conversation that my son has to ever come out of his mouth. I want him to see that I can grind and still work a nine to five and still hold down three other things that I got going on, regardless and if sense of buts about it and still be an active parent. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good stuff. So if you could turn back the time and talk to 18-year-old Kiki <laughs> to your old self, what would you tell her? Um don't give up. Don't give up. Keep pushing. Um, don't let anyone, don't ever, don't let anyone mute you. You have a voice and use it. Um, I think for many, many years I used, I, I would say, I wouldn't say anything. I would just be quiet and I hold everything in. Um, but giving my, have you have a voice, use it and definitely follow your heart and follow your passion. And don't let anyone place labels on you and feel like you have to do this because it's the, the cookie cutter image that people have painted for you. That look, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to because look, I had I had to post, I had to post this one that don't let anyone mute you. The weight of those words are tremendous because. I know that I worked, so everyone, I, I had the honor of working with Keandra for an organization here in Houston. And the youth that we served um, came from various backgrounds. A lot of them dealt with some really, really like heavy, when I say heavy, heavy issues that a lot of adults haven't even faced. Um, and when you made the statement about do not let anyone mute you, it brought me back to those babies because one of the things that we did uh, one year, like when I tell you these, they was giving me the blues <laughs> and um, I went home and like, I like literally, I, I cried and I was like, they they need help and they don't even know how to ask for it. And it was at that point, um, Kendra was the director and I was like, look, we gonna have to figure out something cause I'm about ready to send all of them home. <laughs> but I wrote a poem to them entitled it, what can I do? And the stories that they began to tell when they wrote their poems back was like so powerful and like awe-inspiring. And I realized that no one had ever asked them what they could do for them. Very true. And then it also opened doors for me, like even the staff, like some of the staff that we had was able to express um, just kind of their trauma. And they were able to kind of see themselves in those kids. Like I said, that mirror effect. So it allowed us to not only walk through this journey with those kids, but it also allowed 
us to walk through the journey with ourselves. Um, so that's one of the things that I, everybody that asks me, I'm saying, I always give yourself a voice. Like you have a voice, use it. And when I definitely mean that, don't let anyone mute you. Like I was muted for so many years, so many years, so many, so many years, not up until here, like the last two or three years, well, last two years, I've really, really owned my own voice. And I say what I want to say and I keep it pushing and you can like it or you don't and we keep it going. Um, but it also gave me a sense of confidence that I am valued. I am worthy and no one's going to take that from me ever again. Mm -hmm. And so it allowed me to really see who I am. I was really vulnerable and transparent. So if you had asked me two years ago if I had been doing this live, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> absolutely not. <laughs> um, but it allows me to be transparent. It allows me to say, hey, I'm here to help. And then it also helps me as a person who's now venturing into consulting people about nonprofit. Because like I said, people will come with nonprofit and have the passion to do it. But do you have the, do you have the genuineness to put in the work behind it uh, and really, really, really own your uh, nonprofit and not just doing as a filler because it feels good or you want the clout um, or you're taking someone else's story to design by yours. Like it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work because those bumps and those bruises, those stories, those people that you begin to start touching, it's gonna hurt because you're not ready to handle any of that. That is true. One of the things that I, we, even when I was posting, I said, purpose can't be perpetrated. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things like you could take a, look, I'm gonna go old school and say like a Chevy, uh, uh, old school, like, Mm, a G99, we gonna go a Geo Metro. You can take a Geo Metro and put a Mercedes logo on it. It's not gonna make it a Mercedes because it has to be itself. And when I tell you the reason why my business, you know, God definitely gave me the name BU because much of the things that you were saying of being on mute, I, I live that. I went through that phase of not knowing who I was, um, you know, not embracing myself. Um, I was very much what I would consider probably a, a people pleaser where I just cared about what everyone else was thinking. Like it would consume my mind of wondering what someone else was thinking about me. Um, oh, you can't do that because who, who told you that you can, especially even thinking about something like being a life coach, who told you you can coach about life? That was, that was something. And, and I have full confidence this is my calling. This is my purpose. This is who Mika is. I I am. I have my friends. Keandra don't life coach me, and I'm not trying. It's just it's who this is comes out my pores. It's my purpose. It's just like for Keandra and her purpose being that caring that nonprofit. Anything happened, just like the hurricanes and stuff. Is y'all? What can we do to help? Or who can we call? Who can we connect with to figure out? It's, 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 it's not a second thought of you thinking of what you can do to help somebody else. Yeah. And that's the one message that I hope that someone is listening, grabs a hold to is like, what is that inner thought in your mind that without a second breath, without a second thought, you feel the urge to pounce on it. Like I have to do something about that. That's your calling. If it's doing hair, if it's being a bar, if you see someone that got a busted haircut and first thing you thinking about is how you could fix they cut, then guess what? Your purpose is to be a barber. If, you know, if whatever that problem is and you automatically like it's, it's that area where you're constantly thinking of a solution for it, that's your area. That's where you step in and hone your craft and develop on it. And that's the other part of it is that 
even though it may be your purpose, your purpose also comes with work and developing in it. Like Keandra, for example, like she said, she's a nonprofit consultant. She's qualified to be that. She has her master's degree in nonprofit work. She's done nonprofit work for 15 plus years. She's qualified and called to that purpose. That's like, that's what she does without even a second thought is, is that. So my next question with saying, leading into that, what, what are some of the tips you would give someone who is still trying to figure out what their purpose is? Discover what drives you. Like you mentioned before, what is that something that ignites you to, to want to do it? Um, to where you're doing it where it's not a task or a job or you're like, oh, I have to do this because, you know, I got to crack in nine to five or whatever the case may be. Discover what you enjoy to do and it's not going to be a job. Um, because like I said before, nonprofit can be challenging. It has its ups and downs, especially when you're dealing with grants. It has its ups and downs. You may not get all the money that you had the year when you started, you may get less money, you might get more money, whatever the case may be, but understanding what, what drives you, what gives you that, that, that smile where people can see that fire that's ignited inside of you, find out what that is and discover who you are. Don't always feel like because my mom and my dad or because I'm a really good football player or whatever the case may be, I've been trying to do X, Y, and Z. My parents say I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z. They said when I was born, when I was younger, or when I was born, they had me dribbling a ball. If that's not something you like doing and you like to paint and draw, follow that. Don't allow anyone to place you in a box and make you feel like you have to stay in that box because it's what they designed and what they created for you. Discover who you are, find out who you're passionate. If you like cooking or watching cooking shows, discover that. See if that's something that you like. Try different cooking classes. Go to different, you know, try different recipes. Figure out who you are because sometimes we don't know. We just know that we like this kind of stuff. Um, but if you do the work, like you said, do the work, research it and figure out if this is something you like doing, really invest in that time and really find out what you really enjoy doing. Um, and that's how you'll find out like what your purpose is. And definitely, most importantly, pray on it. Um, I spent a lot of time these last two years really, really, really talking to God, like, God, um, hey, we, we down here doing this, but I don't really think this is what I'm supposed to be doing, but you allowing these things to happen to me, so I'm going to follow your lead, and when I started following his lead, things started popping in place. When I say things started coming into place, like, it was like, hey, one minute, this is happening, one minute, this is happening. Like with those three businesses, definitely I did not start COVID-19 thinking I would launch three businesses. I knew that I really wanted to spend some time on saving sis, but during that saving sis, uh, God said, no, this is what you're going to do. Until that saving sis, until you do your actual lunch for this, this is what you're going to work on. Then it went from set sis free circle to then no, that I, you, you, I'm tired of you giving your gems up to people. Now they need to pay you for that. Mm -hmm. And he allowed me to be mentored and to really understand not only by the lovely ladies in the group, but the, the mentor that I can say, hey, she anytime I had a question or a call, she would call and say, hey, or we would have talked me through different things is, is through Heavenly Services, which is Crystal. Um, she definitely helped me realize like it's time to, you know, this is, this, you, you're designed for this. Because when I, I, a quick story, when I decided on going to do a for-profit business, I started to do it with Set Sis Free Circle. I was like, oh, I'll do it for Set Sis Free um, since I'm already kind of developing and I didn't want to do the work. I didn't want to do the work to find out what I really needed to do. Mm -hmm. And so during that process, God was dealing with me because I was in the middle of a fast. God was dealing with me and was like, that's not for-profit. So stop trying to make it for profit. And I still was pushing it through, still having a conversation. I had my conversation with Crystal and she was like, that's not a for profit. Mm -hmm. And then we started talking and she was like, this is your for profit. And I actually started having to do the work of, this is what your for profit is should be. Stop giving your gems out. Stop you know, giving your knowledge out to people and then let them go do whatever they wanna do or create or recreate what you're doing. And then now you're like, I didn't get paid for none of that. So now people have to pay you for the knowledge that you give them. So that's how that pretty much happened. So doing the work, 
doing the work. (laughs) It is that that is that is huge. I would I would like to add to that because you talked about having the mentor and crystal and crystal seeing something in you that you probably you saw but you tried to hide from but you were pulled out of it and I think one of the things is sometimes people can see in us what we can't see in ourselves and and also like reflective moments um you start thinking about how different people played a part in your life because I know like for me I was um I worked in the telecom industry. That was, you know, where I spent a vast majority of my life. And one of my last roles in that industry was as a sales coach. And my job was, I actually, I love that job. <laughs> Everyone used to joke like, dude, you get paid to be the hype man. <laughs> it's really a lot of it. But with with coaching people on selling the products and services, I began to realize that if I could help them tackle some of the things that they were dealing with in their life, their numbers increased. Because if you got all this stress going on here, telling me I need to focus on this, like, bruh, I'm struggling on how I'm going to pay my bills this month, or I'm struggling with, you know, my mom is sick. I got this going on. I have that going on. I need to get past all of this extra in order to face this. And in hindsight, when you were talking about the mentors, the people that I had in my corner in on my leadership team, then what they may even thought they was developing me to be a leader within the organization was preparing me for today. And I think that that's huge too to stop and check your circle sometimes when we think people are um pushing us or maybe we think someone's being hard on us it sometimes it's because they see something in us that we can't see ourselves and so when me and keandra was talking about doing this live she's like Oh, when I was like, hey, friend, I got a great idea. She was like, I know this means I have to do something out of my comfort zone. <laughs> and I was like, it's going to be okay. And and one of the things I always say, be ready to sting. Because you have to be ready to seize the opportunity. Otherwise, we'll miss a lot of them. You know, not just seizing the moment. So one of the things as we, you know, get ready to wind down is I have, I always talk about on my podcast, the, the superwoman, because all of us got to tap into some inner superwoman. And of course, I keep my super bee near me. So for Keandra, I want to ask is what are some of the things that you do to tap into your inner superwoman? Because you got to be superwoman with all the stuff you got going on. <laughs> um, Lord, I do. Um, I try to have fun. I try to have fun. I try not to overthink. When I do overthink or get overwhelmed, I send my body into like a, a ultimate shock. I will get headaches. I will do everything that it just goes down south for me. So I try to have fun and I try to look at the positive. And I'm a person when it comes to balancing a lot of different things, um, I try to organize my life. So I'm always writing on something. Um, I know Mika laughs at me because I'm still old school. I write stuff down. Um, I have my lovely legal pad that stays with me. I have my perfect little pens that no one is allowed to touch. That's just how I process things. So I just really, really try to have fun with it. Most importantly, even being a single mom, am I, and I'm very active in my son's life. Like we, He's in football right now, and we do football seven days a week. So I definitely make sure that while I'm taking care of the home life, the admin side of my life, I'm really making sure that I'm keeping having fun and really making sure that he's still able to be a kid and not having to see me like pulling my hair out or things like that. So he understands like when I have calls or lives, and even today, he, my mom is in town. He told my mom, um, my mama has a call today. So he's used, so he understands, like I kind of explained to him what I'm doing. So it makes it easier for me. 
Um, and then it allows him to kind of find his own world um, while I'm on a call and he's now coming in the door and things like that. So just finding the time and just doing a lot of communication and just really honing in of just making sure that I'm having fun and I'm, I'm living through my purpose. Um, so whether that's like designing whatever, because I, like I said, I still have a nine to five. I still have a nine to five that's very active um, and it takes a lot of time from me with my nine to five. So all this other stuff is just additional and add-ons. So I try to make sure that I'm, I'm, you know, nurturing each one at a time. And sometimes I may get in those spells because it's not easy. I don't want people to be on this live and feel like, oh, they're just talking like all this stuff is, you know, glitter and unicorns and all of this is definitely not easy because there will be times where I'll be like, and she can attest that I will be like, mm -hmm, I don't want to talk about that right now. Or I'll go on a hiatus from business for <laughs> a week or two and I, if she brings up the conversation, I change it to something else. And then sometimes giving myself a mental break of like just walking away because a lot of things that I do, especially with my nine to five, I work with sex trafficking victims. That's a mental, mental issue in itself. Like that brings so much on your mental and have you thinking and just with everything else. So I try to take mental breaks at the same time as well. That's good. So today, I definitely want to end the podcast a bit differently with some closing thoughts. Um, first of all, I want to thank you, Keandra, for sharing your story, sharing your journey, uh, all of your awesome businesses. And I will tell you guys, if you're looking to start a nonprofit, definitely connect with my sister friend. Um, her ideas have ideas, <laughs> like literally that legal pad is the truth, even though I tease her about her legal pad. Um, but I want to end today's podcast a little different with some closing thoughts, because one of the things that brought about this conversation of the who are you and focusing on purpose um, came from this. So I'm definitely sure that everyone is aware of the loss uh, that we had in our community of truly one of our first African-American superheroes, Chadwick Boseman, the, you know, our Black Panther. And in his passing, I definitely learned so much about what purpose meant to him. And I didn't look collectively at his body of work until after the fact. And that even bothered me that I didn't notice it after the fact of how intentional he was in selecting the roles that he played. Um, and so he talked about and really focused on how important it was to live in your purpose. And so I wanted to read some of the excerpts from a post that came from one of his co-stars of Black Panther, uh, Lupita, because she wrote these things in his memory. And if you haven't checked it out, definitely read it in full. You can find it on her Instagram um, or even Google it. It's out there now. But some of the things that she said about him was he took the risk to be alive fully alive, she said. So it seems that it was life that gave up on Chadwick before Chadwick gave up on life. She also said being around him made her want to be better, less petty, and more purposeful. She said he used his life force to tell meaningful stories, and in his honor, she promised not to waste time, and she said, uh, I hope you will do the same. And for me, reading that, hearing that really made me think about, because this is something I think about all the time, but life is so short. It's so precious. We, we think that we have time and time is one of those commodities that everyone has, but we never know when it's going to expire. Um, and to see the work that Chadwick Boseman did and how intentional, because I know like for our kids, they, they through the Black Panther, they got to see a Black man be a hero. Absolutely. And to lead, like, like Keandra's son, Caden, like, I think we done had probably about four or five Black Panther birthday parties. <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> and, you know, and I've watched the movie over and over again, but to, to know that he lived his life understanding what purpose truly was and I always say that and I got it from Dr. Dr. Miles Monroe is to die empty I believe that he did the work 
that he was put on this earth to do. He was able to rest. And that's my goal in life is to live out life full of purpose, intentional, touching the lives that I'm called to touch and to serve how I'm supposed to serve. And I know that my panelists today, that that is her passion, that is her purpose, that is her goal in life because she lives it out and does it every day. Like she is truly a phenomenal woman and has a heart for people. And so I hope that something she said today encourages you, that it allows you to take those deep inner thoughts in discovering yourself and your purpose. But just want to close this out. Keandra, thank you again. And remember, everyone, you can catch us, catch me here on BU Live every Sunday at 6 and also on Spotify and other podcast platforms. Just do a search for BU Live. And remember, always be you. <laughs>